Well, welcome back. Um, this last week, uh, I had some, or a couple of weeks ago, last week, I had some time to spend at uh, Pine Haven Christian Assembly, as most of you knew. And while I was there, I was one day preaching uh, a little bit about uh, the nature of marriage um, and the spousal connection uh, between husband and wife, wife and husband. And one of the subjects that I brought up during that uh, message time is maybe a, a familiar uh, concept to you guys, but it's this um, uh, love language uh, conversation. Are you guys familiar with that one? Uh, there's typically, in this book, there is this arrangement of five different kinds of love languages that uh, people speak. Uh, they are uh, service, physical touch, quality time, words of affirmation, and gift giving. Uh, and it says that most people will fall within uh, this, those spectrum of, of five languages where, uh, you know, Miriam will, for example, be someone who receives love through service, where I do think kind things for her, uh, or she uh, receives love through words of affirmation, where I share kind words with her. Whereas me, for example, might be more of a physical touch guy. Uh, Miriam can give me services or give me words of affirmation, but those things aren't exactly my love language or how I receive love. And so instead, like when Miriam rubs my neck or something like that, that ends up like being a, a really uh, important way for her to show love to me. And so I was speaking to this uh, last week, uh, speaking on the subject of, of marriage and how when you have a disconnect uh, between people's love languages, again, how people receive it and, and how people show love, if you have that disconnect, it's unfortunate because what that is is an equation for resentment. When, for example, if Miriam's language is words of affirmation, but I, for some reason, keep on doing, uh, uh, spending quality time with her, but she's not receiving the kind words, here I am doing high effort, and for Miriam, ends up becoming this, this low return. And so for me, who I think I'm doing all, all kinds of effort with no return, it actually becomes resentment, and I get tired of trying. And so there's this really important equation to pay attention to. So this was something I was speaking to about marriage last week. And for the married couples uh, in the room, if that's something that you'd like to explore further, I'd love to do that with you because I have found that a lot of marriages can suffer in some ways just because they haven't visited or even revisited uh, these concepts in a while. But the reason I wanted to start off today when we're talking about encountering God uh, is because our relationship with God our connection with him actually has a lot of similarities when it comes to the relationship between a husband and a wife, wife and a husband. There needs maintenance. Uh, there needs to be intentionality. We need to be purposeful in connecting with uh, our spouses. And in the same way, our relationship with God, the quality of our faith, also needs maintenance. It also means needs intentionality. And although in those five love languages of, of uh, service, physical touch, quality time, words of affirmation, gift giving, although those don't exactly translate on how I connect to God, uh, because it's kind of hard to give God a neck rub, our Encounter God series has really been concentrated on a bunch of different kinds of ways that you and I can explore on trying to create maintenance and encourage us to feel more and more connected uh, with God. Over the last few weeks, uh, we have gone over a, a number of subjects. Uh, here they are here uh, in no particular order. We've talked about stillness, 
uh, and just being still before God, not even particularly spending a time in devotion or Bible reading, but it was just being still um, and, and uh, before God and, and allowing an opportunity for him to just speak into your life when you're just sitting there. We talked about how that word stillness can translate into just going dumb. I mean, just sitting there and just becoming completely wide open. Um, we talked about kneeling and how uh, kneeling before God can change the posture, not only of our physicality, but also the posture of our hearts. For some reason, kneeling before God is this humbling thing that matches physicality and spirit. We talked about wrestling with God, um, how sometimes we have a hard time with a lot of the tensions that come up in theology and how we understand our connection with God. We have questions that we can't answer. And so in that week, we focused on chasing down uh, the questions, you know, chasing down the curiosities that it's okay to have shaky faith sometimes uh, and that we're not supposed to maintain this solid outlook all the time. But really, if there are things in faith that are shaky, we should wrestle with them. We should work hard at trying to chase them out. And then some of the other ones are a little bit more familiar, uh, just worshiping God, you know, in, in music and being a part of a worship service uh, can be an obvious way uh, that we can connect with God, but remaining intentional at it uh, is something that we want to focus on. Uh, being able to serve others, um, obviously, we were kind of built to take care of one another. Uh, and so by through service, uh, there's just sort of this good feeling that comes with serving. Uh, giving, obviously, uh, we talked about that just a couple of weeks ago, and how giving is almost like how you can physically do a trust fall with God, right? Remember, talked about that, um, and how if you can develop trust with God, you know, obviously that increases encounter quality time with uh, with Him in faith, um, and so by giving is almost like this proverbial trust fall. Obviously, I do trust God, but if I were to fall backwards, I don't think He would catch me, and so in giving. God told us to challenge him in our giving, you know, in, our, in that blue bowl time. It's one of the only, it is the only discipline up here that actually costs anything and is actually risky. Uh, and then last week we talked about creation uh, and how in God's grand design uh, we can encounter God very easily uh, because for some reason in the high places, in the beautiful places, it's really easy to see uh, God. Now this week we're actually finally wrapping up the encounter God series. We're going to finish up, and I'll admit there are probably a hundred more ways that one can encounter God, but I think that we here have hopefully given you enough of a spattering that you have found something that has been useful. Like the love languages, you know, hopefully you fall in that spectrum somehow. Some of these aren't going to work for you, but some of them are, uh, and, and I'm hoping that um, you know, as we leave the series behind that you'll have committed, found something new, hopefully, uh, that helps you connect with God just a little bit more. We're wrapping up this week, and we're going to wrap up with fellowship. Uh, obviously, the namesake uh, of our church, encountering God through uh, fellowship. You know, at Pine Haven, uh, I was, I've been there a little bit for the last number of weeks. Um, at Pine Haven, one of the greatest joys uh, that, uh, that I have, not only there, but anywhere, uh, is being able to just let the kids run around. You know, at home, there is a park down the street that the kids can easily bike to. It just takes a few minutes. But I've been there before with them, and I've seen some unsavory characters there, just teenagers. But the language that they use is, you know, uh, a little rough around the edges, and, and I don't know what kind of strangers are there. 
Uh, and so I have a hard time just letting them go out there. You know, I, I wouldn't describe myself as a helicopter parent, but when I think back to my childhood, I can't, I can't believe that my parents would just let us, I mean, go up and down blocks. Really, there was no leash whatsoever. But I have this challenge of letting them just go there because I don't know what personalities and what unsavory characters are there at, 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 at the park. But at Pine Haven, man, it is such a relief to just let kids run around because not only is it my eyes, it's every other Christian parent who's there uh, who is making sure that your kid, when they hear a scream, they don't listen to only their own kids scream. They listen for other screams, and, and they make sure that they're there to help. And so there's this real strong sense of safety uh, because we know that there are so many people there working together to make sure that the kids are okay, that there aren't strangers there who are there to take advantage of something. So there's just this real sense of just letting the hair down. Uh, and, and being relaxed about and, and almost not guilty about sitting around the table and visiting with and connecting with uh, people. At camp, you know, we feel free and there's just not, there's kind of a longer leash uh, uh, at camp. And between the safety, and between the beauty, and being away from the busyness of life, uh, the busyness of life um, you know, I, like many other campers, probably often compare Pine Haven uh, to heaven. I mean, half the time I'm there, I'm just, a lot of times I'm just thinking, man, what are the differences between our, our time here and what heaven will be like? Now, granted, I know that not everyone here are campers and not everyone's here with familiar with the Pine Haven or, you know, and in reality, looking at me, you probably wouldn't guess that I'm a camper uh, either. Um, but there is something about that commune living. There's something about living so connected uh, in, in such a strong fellowship. There's something about living like that when we each have this common goal, when we work hard to serve one another, uh, that we live in this safe place where we can relax and not stress out about the outside, uh, outside factors or unknown entities. You know, it makes for some really pretty heaven-like qualities. You know, I, we don't, I don't miss TV or I don't miss internet, you know, I don't miss a lot of stuff while I'm up there because we really just get to enjoy each other's company, you know, we each have our role, and, and there's just something really heaven-like about it, um, and seeing that growing up in that setting, you know, year after year of having been there, I think it's been 20 years straight this year, seeing that setting at camp as a young kid, I know it impacted me greatly. That kind of fellowship helped me develop really what we are trying to do here at Life Fellowship, this community living where we take care of one another uh, and put each other's needs above our own. There's no way that camp had no effect on me growing up and seeing that year after year after year. These are the kinds of qualities that are championed by Christ himself. I mean, that's what Jesus is, and that's really the mission that he gave us as he left us behind being at camp, it just it reminds me of how close I can feel to God there because there we live the way that we're supposed to be living, living together in constant fellowship. There isn't even a 15-minute drive between us. There's just a knock on the door. What are you guys up to? It's, it's just this really cool uh, connection. And I think that there are a few instances in Scripture where God speaks to how we should be living. In Genesis chapter two, verse 18, God says this of men. 
it is not good for man to be alone. Now, obviously, in Genesis chapter 2, he's speaking to a particular context, the context of marriage, and he remedies this loneliness of man by creating a spouse for Adam. He does, sure. But in it is a fundamental truth that remains the same. It's still not good for man to be alone. It isn't good for man to be alone. When men are alone for extended amounts of times, they they, true, they, act, they can't actually stand it. Um, one of the things that grabs my uh, attention when I'm flipping through TV channels, you know, sometimes they go into prisons and, and they have those um, documentaries about guys who just kind of go wild in solitary confinement. Like, they go in there and time just slows down and they think it's been weeks and weeks and weeks because their confinement, their, their solitary confinement just absolutely drives them nuts. They'll go mad. Uh, in that place. And even then, of course, we'll talk about that. Well, that's mandatory. They have no choice in that. But we've also seen, I know some of us, watch that TV show alone, right, where they'll go out, and these are out, like, these are really rugged outdoorsmen, and some of them who, you know, they take their resources, but really, after time, even though they love, these are campers, (laughs) and, and they love nature, and they love being out there, I've seen some guys who are doing just so extremely well on this TV show, where there's a prize at the end, was it $500,000? And yet, they can't stand the loneliness even though they're thriving on the game show. That plenty of food, sweet camp. There was one guy in particular who had gotten so bored out there alone, he set up like a bowling pin. He set up a bowling alley for himself and he had done all these inventions, it was really cool. But eventually, he, I mean, he could have won, it looked like, but he just got so bored and hated being alone and wanted to go back to his family. And so he left. It's, it's, it's not good for man to be alone. They just, they just don't want to be alone. Being together, apparently, as God will remedy that loneliness with a, with a woman, but being together is better than being alone. Being better, but being together is better uh, than being alone. I also think, this is a fun one almost, but it's why did God even wait to create Eve until Adam felt that he was alone? That's kind of a fun question. Why did he wait? Why didn't he just create her right from the get-go? Why did he even parade Adam around looking at all the different kinds of animals until there was no suitable helper? God kind of slow played it so that to help Adam realize, and I think to help us realize that it's not good for man to be alone. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, Jesus is speaking on the nature of church and church leadership and how they're going to lead together, Jesus says this, and this one's hanging, out, hanging up in my home uh, prominently right there in the hallway. It's just this big scripture. When two or more gather in my name, there I am with them. These are Jesus' own words. He says this in the context of church leadership, but it speaks to the plural nature of Christianity. Faith, apparently, it's not a solo adventure. I mean, even if you look at Jesus, uh, God, Jesus, the Trinity's own character, you can see that it, God's own character, is not single in nature. Consider the Trinity, the three Godhead, God, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit, and it's multiple yet indistinguishably singular character. Although three, it's one. It's just this confusing thing. It's really hard to peg down. 
in John 14, 8 through 11, when asked of this character, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. So Philip wanted proof that Jesus was this, that God exists. And Jesus answered this, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Apparently, Jesus is telling Philip when he wants proof of God's existence, Jesus speaks to this indistinguishable difference between them. When you see one, when you see the Son, when you see one, you see the other. When you see Jesus, you see the Father. When you see the Father, you see Jesus. When you see them together, this is a trinity of character, all melded into one singular God. The same way the Christian, the Christian, you, me, we, together, is always plural. It's not meant to be a single, solo, one Christian. The Christian is always plural. Instead, is many and one. We are meant to be seen together. We are together. As a person, I'll speak personally here, as a person who finds joy by spending time with people, a person who finds joy in ministry, making friends, making connections, hearing people's stories, and really I genuinely care for others, and the truth is when I take all of that joy of mine, this is why fellowship is such a strong part of how I see God, and I contrast all of the wonderful connections that I've made here with you people, with uh, people outside of this room, but you people mostly, and I contrast all that sometimes, and it makes me sad because what I realize is even all the greatest things between us all, and I have yet to meet the greatest one of us. Does that, do you guys track with that? Like as great it is knowing every one of you and being friends with you all, uh, and being connected, I have yet to meet the best one of us. You know, life has been pretty good for me. Uh, I have the loveliest wife. I have wonderful children. I've got the best friends uh, that have stayed by me through pretty thick and pretty thin times. And yet, I know not having truly met Jesus yet gives me perspective on what's ahead. I've got it pretty good, but there's still so much better ahead. We haven't yet met the best one of us. Man, I'm, it just gets me so excited about who is this guy that's even better than everything we've got? Man, I get really excited for what's coming ahead. Recently, I was, and with a few of us, we were at Jack Pope's funeral. Uh, Jack Pope is a founding member of New Brighton Christian Church, and he passed away recently. And it was nice to go to his funeral and to see how much love and adoration there was for him. And it was very touching. There's a lot of people who loved him, and he did a lot of good work in life. Afterwards, after the service, we all sat in the fellowship hall, and we ate, and we visited, and so many people exchanged stories about Jack. Uh, and, and seeing all his pictures up there and 
just, there is so much more to Jack than, than I ever knew, and there's so many connections, and seeing the, the, just the litany of family that he had. He's such a big group of family with him. And it made me feel like, um, it made me feel sad, because what it seemed like is this, at this luncheon, where we're visiting these new, meeting these new people, that where we only had Jack in common, and we were celebrating Jack, I was just like, man, how much better would it be if Jack was actually around, right? I mean, here we are celebrating all his good works and all his family that loved him and all the good things he'd ever done, and so much of us are just in sadness, sitting sad because Jack wasn't here for us to actually celebrate. Is that not kind of like the world that we're living in now? Are we not just sitting at a wake right now? You, me, here, we celebrate Jesus as best as we can, but dang it, he's not here yet. The man of the hour is not here. It's almost like we're having a party without Jack. It's almost like we're having the party without the man himself. When we visit and connect and share and do life together, how much better would it be if the guest of honor were present? For me, understanding fellowship, connection, and love has made me desperate for Jesus. In fellowship, I've enjoyed it. I love this world, and I'd be sad to leave it, but it has also made me quite desperate for Jesus. Get me wrong, I adore your company. Our fellowship has given me, however, context. This is pretty good, and Jesus apparently is that much, that much better. I know, I think, we each can confess that none of us None of us hold a candle to the grandeur and glory that is Jesus. As good as a friend as any one of us can be to another, as good as a friend as Reggie could be to any one of you, and I would do just about anything I could for any of you, Jesus is infinitely more friendly. He is infinitely more amazing. He is infinitely more warm, and I can't wait to meet him. I think fellowship Fellowship can make us long for Jesus. This is pretty good. Jesus is that much better. I think fellowship can make us long for Jesus. In Psalms chapter 63, verse one, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water as good as things are here, it still is only a dry and parched land in comparison to the reunited feeling of being able to meet the greatest one of us. And so if you are interested in increasing your longing for Christ and increasing your longing for reunion, which I think is a great driver of developing faith right now, perhaps increasing your fellowship might be a great encounter exercise of the big old list, just increasing fellowship amongst the stillness and the wrestling and, and, and the, the giving and the service and such. Increasing fellowship might be a way that we encounter God and, and, and boost faith uh, in just another way. And so if you're interested in that, a couple of ideas, a few things that maybe you and I and we together can work on so that we can experience Christ in this, uh, experience our faith in a different way. Let's talk about thoughtful fellowship. Being thoughtful about 
our fellowship. I think we here in this room, we're actually pretty good at connecting and visiting and maintaining connection with one another. We're actually pretty good at that. A lot of churches aren't that great at that. And so I've seen a lot of churches really excited about, you know, what we are trying to do when it comes to fellowship. So we're actually really good at that. But this thoughtful fellowship is not just visiting. In fact, it's not just taking care of one another. But this thoughtful fellowship should be done with an understanding that its design, the fellowship design, was implemented purposefully by God. That he made it so that we live like this. He set up the rules so that we would live together like this. When I see the connections, when I see people connecting outside of this room, man, it makes me smile because that's what God intended, it for, intended for, uh, for us to live. He meant for us to connect like that. And so when we're thoughtful about that fellowship and recognizing that that was his design and that's what he wanted for us to have, and it makes me think uh, of God. We can see God's love in one another. When we help others, when we ask, and particularly when we ask for help from others. In fact, asking for help from our fellowship might be more effective exercise when it comes to encounter because I think a lot of times we're not that good at asking for help. We're good at giving help, but asking help, we're not so great at it. See, these are just a couple of ways where we can use fellowship, not just as a time of hanging out like so many churches uh, define incorrectly, but by using it as a way to seeing God, seeing his design, and seeing how we, like the Trinity, are supposed to be this really difficult body of people that are hard to pull apart. That's what God intended, and we should be thankful that he designed it for us that way. So when it comes to the thoughtful fellowship, much like a lot of the other exercises, I'd also ask you to be intentional about it by making time for connection. Make time for connection. Again, most of our exercises, uh, when it came to those seven other items, we need to just be intentional about it. Uh, maintaining, much like I described the marriage relationship at the beginning of the message, where you have to be intentional, you have to be purposeful, there has to be this kind of maintenance, and maintenance takes effort. And that's where we have to make time for connection. Make time for one another. Uh, years ago, right, with the team-ups that we had talked about so long ago, uh, where we noticed that busyness caused drifting in our connections with one another. And so we just, we called one another and said, all right, uh, we're gonna get really organized about it and so-and-so is gonna meet mm, so-and-so a couple of times a month. And we got really purposeful uh, about that because man, this is our church's namesake. And so making those connections, making time for it and being intentional is very much a part uh, of this exercise. It's very simple, thoughtful fellowship uh, in, com in combination with being purposeful about it. Very easy to understand, uh, but sometimes very difficult to follow through with. Uh, and so I'm asking you guys for, I don't know, the next several weeks, if you would be purposeful with trying to connect with someone in here uh, outside of the worship service, connecting and participating in that thoughtful fellowship and recognizing it as a part of God's design and how we can be worshipful and encounter him more so in faith uh, because, uh, uh, because of fellowship and, and, and his design. Um, so 
uh, those are the couple of things that I, I wanted to highlight about fellowship and how we can experience God uh, through it. And as we wrap up this series, um, Miriam and I have put together this small handout uh, because we put together a big old list. It's more than five, uh, five lists of uh, love languages. Uh, and so there might not be enough for everybody, but this is something that I was really hoping that you guys would probably just stick on the fridge um, we laminate it so even the kids could get to it and it shouldn't be problematic. Uh, but yeah, I'd love for you to just stick this on the fridge. Um, here's the encounter God right here, just a little version of it. Uh, and then you'd flip it around and I have the list of things, including today's message, uh, that you can look at. Uh, because I'm not asking you guys to look at these one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight things and commit to them like every week. But I'm just hoping that they might serve you in just a different, looking at faith in a different way, um, hopefully encountering God in something just a little bit different, uh, something unexpected, because you might connect with him in a way that you weren't anticipating. So I'll hand these out, uh, and then I'm just going to offer a word of prayer, or should I offer, yeah, I'll hand these out, and then we'll offer a word of prayer. So I'm not going to give them to our elders, because we don't have enough. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, one, two. Yeah, our printer gave up today. Here, give it to me. You can pass one down. There you go. Here we go. And here. Sorry. <laughs> I'll, I'll email you one. Just kidding. Miriam will make one. All right. So there's that. Um, and I'll, I'll put them on, our, on Facebook. But please, just put them on the fridge. And I'm, I'm really hoping that uh, your time of devotion, your time of prayer... Uh, can, that these can serve as an, an addition to how you normally connect with God. These are just some really odd, different kind of exercises that will hopefully stretch you in a different way uh, that you'll be able to connect with him uh, in, uh, unexpectedly. So let me offer a word of prayer, uh, and then we'll, we'll dismiss. Uh, dear Father, I'm really thankful for uh, the love that you show uh, this congregation, the, the love uh, that you have shown each of us individually, the love and uh, the love that you've shown to our families. Um, your blessings are abounding. And uh, Lord, we know that uh, there are hardships too, that life can be uh, difficult, but uh, Lord, your steadfast faithfulness has, has uh, been uh, vis quite visible to us. Uh, Lord, I am praying that you know, as we look to maintaining and, and keeping up the quality of our faith, that uh, your Holy Spirit would drive us uh, to finding and meeting you in these different and unexpected ways, uh, th maybe through kneeling or through wrestling uh, uh, with our faith or, uh, or, or through giving or through serving or, you know, some of these different ways. Uh, I pray, Father, that you'd shake something loose, that, that you'd help us break through the next barrier, that uh, no one here would feel like we're stuck uh, in our faith, that we feel like faith is not going anywhere. Um, I, I think, Lord, you see in front of you a, a faithful people who want to continue to steadily grow uh, in faith and in their connection with you. Um, I pray, Father, that you give us the courage, that you give us the energy, that you give us the time, uh, the intentionality to be able to find you in these different ways. Because, um, uh, Father, you deserve it. You are not something to be visited to when we happen, uh, happen to have extra time. Um, instead, Lord, it's you are someone that we want to prioritize uh, and, and to worship you, uh, the king that you are in the way uh, that you deserve. Thank you, Lord, uh, for this day. Thank you that we get to, in fellowship, worship you 
uh, in this congregation together. I pray these things in your holy son's name. Amen.